We had words from Psalm 19 just a little while before. I'd like to use one additional verse, a verse that's often used by pastors, as they begin their sermon. We talked about how the, the heavens declare the glory of God and the word of God declares the glory of God. Concludes this way, it says, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Title of the sermon is The Unsought Sign. And it's based on this verse from Isaiah 7. A virgin will conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. It's not just a name. It's one of the oldest statements of truth shared among God's people. God is with us. Emmanuel is a promise. The covenant between God and his people from Genesis to Revelation. To Abraham, to Moses, to Joshua and David and Solomon, through all the prophets, before and after the exile, and by Jesus in the Great Commission. Again and again, God proclaims this same truth. I will be your God. You will be my people. And I will dwell in the midst of you. Or as our Lord Jesus puts it, I will be with you always to the end of the age. I will not leave you as orphans, but will send you the Holy Spirit. So many of the Psalms promise the same thing. Consider 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going from this day to forevermore. A God who never sleeps is always watching over you. Or how about this one from a psalm even better known? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for he is with me. Now the people of Judah at the time of King Ahaz really needed to know that God was with them. Smaller countries like Israel and Judah and Lebanon and Aram were constantly being conquered or at least threatened by whichever empire had won the most land recently. 
whether it was Egypt or Assyria or Babylon or Rome or Greece? Well, the current bully at the time of Isaiah and King Ahaz was Assyria. And as the bully flexed its muscles, the little kingdoms usually had a choice of two things that they could do in response. They could resist and be conquered. Or they could pay tribute to be left alone. But a group of them came up with a third alternative. Israel, the northern kingdom of what had been the land given to the twelve tribes of Israel, got together with Aram, its neighbor. It's also called Syria. But since we're talking about Assyria and Syria, I don't want to get confused. I don't want you confused either. So we'll call it by its other name, Aram. Okay, so Israel and Aram got together and they proposed a plan that all the little nations would band together, kind of like an an ancient NATO alliance. So that if one of them was attacked, all the others would rush to their aid. And just like with NATO, you know, which was formed against the superpower that is Russia, the hope was that the plan would prevent the superpowers from ever finding out whether the plan would work. They would be more inclined to just leave all the little guys alone because all the little guys were now together. And if it would work that way, everybody could live in peace. So the king of Aram came to the king of Israel and together they sent representatives down to talk to the king of Judah, Ahaz. They wanted him to sign on to their plan. But it didn't make sense to Ahaz. He thought, Assyria is this great power. And what if we make this agreement but some of them chicken out? What if not everybody gets together the way that they've promised? Then where will we be? We'll have opposed this this mega power and bought our own death. So he decided, no, not going to do it. And the kings of Aram and the kings of Israel said, yes, you will. And to prove it, what they did was they invaded Judah. So some of the tribes are at war with another two of the tribes of Israel. And then they bring in what had been long-term enemies. The the nation of Syria or Aram uh, was also involved in this. They attacked Jerusalem. But they couldn't take it. And for Ahaz, this just proved that he had made the right decision. He had decided that Assyria was so much stronger than he was, and if these guys couldn't beat him, what chance did everybody have against Assyria? In fact, what he thought he would do is he would now go to the king of Assyria, and he would make an alliance with 
the superpower against all these little neighbors because he was afraid that the little neighbors would attack again. And while they're attacking each other, they get weaker and weaker, and Assyria can just come in and sweep up the whole thing. And that's when God intervened. God sent Isaiah to tell Ahaz, you don't have to be afraid of these two small countries. And you don't have to be afraid of Assyria either. Leave it to me. He compared, he told Isaiah to compare the the kings of Aram and Israel to smoldering sticks that would soon be extinguished in the sand. And he promised that God would protect Judah from Assyria. Now knowing that a king caught between two hostile forces would find it hard to accept advice to just sit tight and trust God, even if that word came from a prophet, Isaiah does something extraordinary. He tells Ahaz that he will be given a sign that all this is true. And you might be thinking, so what? God gives signs to his prophets and to his people all the time. Yeah, but you heard it in the text. He said, Choose the sign. Choose whatever sign you want. In the, in the Hebrew it says, whether it's as high as the heaven or as deep as the grave. Choose any sign you want and God will show you that this is true. Why is that extraordinary? Because it's the only time. It's the only time in the entire Bible that any mortal is given this choice. Choose your own sign and God will make it come true for you. What would you choose? You see, God does send signs of His choosing all through the Bible. And in the case of Gideon, God honored the silly signs that Gideon concocted. But this is the only time in the Bible that a human gets to choose the sign at God's invitation. And Ahaz blows it. He refuses to choose. You heard it in the reading. He says that he's not going to put God to the test. Now, in reality, he had already decided what he was going to do. And he knew that it was not what God wanted him to do. And you can understand his reluctance to choose a sign. I mean, how is he going to back out of it if he chooses the sign and God makes that sign apparent and then he does something else instead? Have you ever hesitated to pray because you were involved in something that you knew was not of God? Or were harboring an unrepented sin? That's where Ahaz is. 
Well, Isaiah calls his bluff and says that God himself will give Ahaz a sign, the sign of Emmanuel. And we know that it is fulfilled in Jesus, who truly and literally is God with us, God come to save us. Matthew tells us so in so many words in our gospel reading. Jesus, born of a virgin, prophesied of old, is my Lord and my hope. He is my God. But how could he have been assigned to Ahaz that he should avoid military alliances even during a time of war? How reassuring or instructive would it be to say, look, king, 700 years after you're dead, you won't have to worry about these two kings that are threatening you. You won't have to worry about your country any longer. You know, as far as I know, the dead don't worry about anything. Now, this was a prophecy that was fulfilled in Isaiah's time and ultimately fulfilled in the time of Jesus. It's one of those now and not yet type of prophecies. It was fulfilled in Isaiah's time when he pointed to a woman that it was known had never had marital relations and said, she will become pregnant, she will bear a son. In other words, she and a man will conceive a child and the child will be born and they will call that child Emmanuel. And he will be a living calendar of God's promise. By the time that he is born, so nine months from now, by the time that he's born, it will be so obvious that God is with his people that she will name her baby Emmanuel. And by the time he's eating solid food, the threat from those two hostile nations will be gone. And by the time that this son is bar mitzvahed, the kings of those two nations will be no more. So, you know, you have to wait maybe another 13 years, and those nations will not be a threat at all. And by the time this baby, now you have to go a little bit before our text for this one, but by the time this baby is 65, the northern nation of Israel will have disappeared from history. It will just be gone. Through it all, Assyria will make life difficult, but not impossible. Farming will be disrupted. Livestock will be scarce, but you'll get by. In fact, that was in our text. You'll get by on cheese and yogurt and honey and such instead of your normal bread and meat and other things. I don't think they had pizza. But the Lord will rescue you. Just stay faithful to your God. And so... It, scholars have believed that the, the person that he was talking about might have been his own eventual son, Hezekiah. G 
good King Hezekiah. So he'd be able to tell just by watching his own son grow that this man was a a living promise from God. He was a living calendar of God's blessings. And as you'd watch the the son be weaned and and then learn to be the the son of the law, as they call it, and be bar mitzvahed, and, and then later on even grow to old age, you could also watch the promises of God come true. But Ahaz didn't listen. He made a pact with the king of Assyria and even tried to kiss up to him. This is so sad. Read it in 2 Kings. He even tried to kiss up to him because what he did is he made a trip to Assyria to talk to the king there and the king showed off his palace and the king showed off the temples where they worshipped their gods. And not only... Not only did Ahaz start paying tribute to the king of Assyria, he ordered that the temple in Jerusalem, which had been built specifically to God's plan, handed down to Moses on the Mount of Sinai, that it be modified so that people who would worship an Assyrian god would feel just as comfortable there. It'd be like if someone would come in here and say, you want to see your church grow? Get rid of all those Christian hymns, Dan. That's just going to have to go. All this explicit mention of God and this cross, come on. Uh, Please, the Christmas trees can stay because so many people don't think they have anything to do with Jesus. We know better. But people would be able to stay, keep it. And the altar, oh, get rid of that. Good, now, we've, now we're going to please everybody. Oh, until we blow out all the windows, we can't have those stained glass windows or the plaques on the wall there. Once we tidy all this stuff up, then it'll be a place where everybody can worship. That's what Ahaz did to the people of Israel. He gutted the temple of everything that spoke specifically their God. He made a pact with the king of Assyria, modified the temple. He hadn't sought the sign that he had been given, and he didn't want it. He chose to act as if the sign had never been there. Now Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of the prophecy, given and fulfilled in real time. And yet there are many today who choose to act according to their own schemes, to pretend that Christ doesn't matter, or that he's nothing but the unspeaking part in the Christmas program. Let none of that be said of you. God is with you to bless, to forgive, and ultimately to take you home so that you might be with God. What a beautiful truth that is. God is with you so that you will be with God. Live a life confident in the God who keeps his promises, so in touch with the world that his prophecies are as sure as the calendar.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. We stand for our, the confession of faith. I believe in one God, 